You know who T.J. Miller is? Yes, I know. <laughs> what the fuck, John? <laughs> yes, I know who T.J. Miller is. He's got a he's got a stand-up special that's pretty good. He's gonna be the lead of the Emoji movie that you know you, you should go see it since you love him so much. And he's he's got a joke about being a burp farmer. He's gonna be in the Emoji movie, John. <laughs> and one. Basically, the funniest joke of his entire set is he goes, he burps like it, and then he says, "And how about this one? This is a burp I like to call beeps." And he goes, "Beeps." <laughs> it's really dumb. That sounds like T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller is really dumb. Also, Silicon Valley had a very serious storytelling problem in the third season. I don't think I've seen that. I haven't seen the most recent one. I don't know what number that is. That's season four, dog shit. Dog shit. Listeners, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And tonight we are doing a little thing called Whispercast because it's past midnight on, on Thursday and we, we can't wake up anybody who's close to us, so you're gonna have to bear with us, turn up that volume dial, and uh, really sink your ears into what we're saying because we're not gonna talk any louder than this. Yeah, listeners, I have to be 100% honest with you. Uh, in terms of the timetable, I fucked up, and we are recording this super late, and my girlfriend is on the other side of this wall, so we are doing a uh, titillating ASMR podcast for you. Yeah, if you could imagine that we're whispering, like, and also, like, ruffling sheets of paper while we're talking... I don't know if you've ever seen an ASMR video, but if you haven't, pause this and go look one up so you can get that reference. I am, like, literally pressing my lips to the microphone right now. And, and I'm just, I'm barely, I'm barely trying to talk right now. Like, I, I don't know if you know this about me, John, but I, I cannot whisper. And, I mean, that's fine, but, like, the the biggest, most important thing is that everyone out there understands that you are now part of a secret club. Uh, we're now part of a secret club, and that secret club is the Whisper Club. You're now part... Because, like, you remember, like, when you were a kid, every, like, big meaningful event in your life was based on, like, being transgressive towards some kind of rule? What do you mean by transgressive? Like, living in such a way that it, like, exceeds the limitations of a rule that society sets out for you, like... The people that you remember best from your childhood are the people that you, like, stayed up all night with and did all this stuff with because there was a generally agreed rule and then you broke it in tandem. Oh, yeah. We we, we remember the, uh, the people who we were taboo with. Yeah, exactly. I think that those are some of the strongest memories. Also, the reason why I fucked up and we are now recording this uh, shitty whisper cast is that I had one entire month ago agreed to host a pub game and i forgot and i get a text message while i was preparing for this very podcast telling me that i had to go down there prepare for this pub game 
It took two and a half hours, and it was a, it was a shit show. And, and so your your voice will, is probably already tired. So Whispercast is just like a double boon for us. I have been talking straight for like two and a half hours. Yeah, that it reminds me of like when I used to tutor and I would talk for literally five hours straight and then come record a podcast. <laughs> I actually think about this sometimes because um, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how many terse conversations you have with your girlfriend after you get off of work, but I have a few. And the it's usually in the realm of like, okay, 20 minutes after I get off of work, I genuinely do not like to speak because I speak all day at work. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Like, look back when I used to, to talk for my money. I would get home and it would just be silence literally all evening. Like, you know, I would find other things to make noise for me, like TV shows or YouTube videos or just plain music. But like, I, I'll, I will talk to my significant other. I'm like, you have to understand that I've been talking all day and the sound of me talking disgusts me. So I want to just shut up for 20 minutes watch a dumb YouTube video, and then we can resume our lives. But for the most part, like, the most incessant sound I've experienced all day is the sound of my own voice. Wait, so you don't like the sound of your own voice? Oh, I hate the sound of my own voice. I was actually on microphone for this pub game on a pretty uh, powerful microphone hooked up to this whole establishment, and I could hear my own voice. I'm like, god damn, shit, I hate that. Johnny, you are aware you have a podcast, right? I am aware that I have a podcast, but I never, not once, listened to it. Wait, you edit some of the episodes. You you edit every other episode. I edit it based on the shape of the waveform. Oh. I never play it. That's that's actually kind of amazing because you know you don't cut any of the the sentences up or anything like that. Yeah, I think that I've gotten a pretty good uh, visual sense of what a podcast should look like. I've never listened to a podcast, though, so no idea. You've only ever looked at their waveforms. A lot of people came up to me after this pub trivia thing, and they're like, Oh, you're, you're such a good host, you have such a good voice. Uh, I'm like, I don't... <laughs> the th Compliments about your voice and your, your candor of, of speaking and being are compliments that you can never take, because that's the one thing that you have been self-conscious about your entire life. John, John, you have to learn to accept people's compliments, especially when you're a presenter, because they're presuming that you've done this before and you'll keep doing that. So it's like they, they think it's your, your job. I also might be being paid for this in the future. They said that I'm really good. But you should keep doing it. I think that's that's kind of a sweet gig. It's a, probably a, a, a nice release after work. I mean, I just sit for two and a half hours and re effectively it's just a, a crowd-based Cards Against Humanity that I host. And it was a lot of fun. I got seven old fashions and then this giant cup of a bastardized old fashioned that I'm drinking right now. And if it's fun, you know, I would say keep doing it as much as you possibly can and don't let go. There there are some people that uh that they make these uh these rounds hosting these events and they, they don't make a living off of it, but they make a uh I guess an alternate living. Couldn't the same be said of any job that like if you're having fun and making something that's like uh fun and livable you should just do it as long as you can? 
to some degree as long as it doesn't like affect your your actual means of making a living and providing for yourself. Here's a question that I have for you, Henry. Oh, I'm, I'm here to answer questions. Uh, what are we doing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, speaking of, about work and such, that that kind of brings me to the the article I prepared for today. Oh shit. <laughs> Henry, I also had an article prepared under that exact same umbrella. Wait, I hope we didn't find the same article. Was Is yours from Forbes? Um, no, mine is from Business Insider. Alright, so, well, they might actually be still speaking to the same. Wait, is mine from Forbes? No, it's fine, just go, go, go. Hold on, I have to... Yeah, mine's from Forbes. We can make this shit work regardless of journalistic sources. The thing about a podcast is, like, you steal other people's ideas and then you, like, craft them into something that sounds interesting. Well, yeah, and I just want to talk about something that, uh... You know, your favorite topic. Harking back to the beginning of the podcast, if you could remember the topic you loved to talk about the most... Do you remember? Oh, wait. I do remember. What, what what is it? Uh the the PlayStation 3 puzzle game Catherine? No. That Let me try again. Um you have no idea. The PlayStation 2 game Persona 4? Was that a PlayStation 2 game? Absolutely, dog. It was a PlayStation 2 game Persona 4. It must have been at the the very end of its life because It was I- it was post PlayStation 2's end of life. Persona 4 was like, don't get me started. All right, but anyway, your favorite topic, John, when we first Millennials. Start... God damn it, you remember. <laughs> yeah, Millennials. I, you know, this. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about Millennials and the nature of uh, how they're approaching jobs these days. Totally different article than the one that I found in. Well, Business the, Insider, so we're good. The article that I have it doesn't really it does it's actually from 2014, so it's from it's from before, you know, writing about millennials was like Hold well, on, let me just like take you back. 2014, that's when we cared about all your base or belong to us and like what's Al Gore up to. Yeah, I mean, this is when Futurama was a thing. Futurama still existed. Uh, We were still deep into the Obama presidency. And people were... The only thing we were worried about was, like, when is this economy going to fix itself? Do you remember Key and Peele? I do. Anyway, so uh, so something that uh, people are talking about in regards to millennials and how they hold their jobs is that millennials are the most... uh, likely demographic to do something called job hopping oh like uh quitting a job after a certain period of time as in like yeah trading your current job for another job after a a period of about one to two years i just want to tell you henry that the next thing that i'm going to bring up is like so intertwined with this it couldn't be more perfect Uh, that's interesting uh, so the headline of the article that I'm, I brought today is Employees who stay in companies longer than two years get paid 50% less. Mm. And it shows that people who stick with one company, uh, they do get yearly or annual raises. But the average, the average percentage of raise you can hope for is about 4.5%. Mm. Which sounds like that's pretty. That's an okay. That's a sizable, sizable raise. But you have to factor in that the inflation rate 
2014 was 2.1%. Yeah, and I mean, that. Um, I, I guess that's something that speaks to the kind of ever-growing uh, consensus among young people that staying with a company long-term is actually losing proposition. Yes, because when you, uh, when you jump to another company, your average increase is from anywhere of 10% to upwards of 50%, depending on your skills, position, and field. But actually, if you look at it in terms of like an economic and like psychological perspective, if you are spending 12 to 24 months at a job quitting and then going to another job, you have an opportunity to negotiate your salary again, given both experience and research. So you could increase your salary significantly more than by a, a strictured like raise uh, schedule. Yeah, and that that's exactly what this article goes into, because if you stay at one company for, let's say, five years, your increase in salary will always be based on your starting pay. So you'll get 5%, a 5% increase every year, but as soon as you jump ship to another company, your previous rate of pay is now the... the uh, that's the starting point. That's your the starting point of your negotiation. And you always get a little bit more because other companies realize that they're, in, in essence, buying you from that other company. I think that that's something that for the last few decades, um, and this ties into the thing that I want to talk about, but I feel like for the last few decades, the general uh, opinion of careers is that you should stay at one company receiving uh, raises and benefits until you can get a golden parachute, which is an amount of money that you receive upon retirement for uh, basically a reward for your service for X number of years. But I think that that's something that is increasingly diminishing in the job market. It's not even a practice that a lot of companies do anymore. Like the, the rewards for staying with a company for five or 10 years are usually like charitable donations or a trinket. You don't see that that level of compensation in, in most fields anymore. So you've watched House of Cards, right? I've watched uh, three seasons of it. All right, so this happens in the first season. Uh, do you remember the uh, name of the company that Kate Mara starts working for after she dumps the newspaper? I have no idea. It's called like Sling Rag or yeah. something. Yeah, sling, sling Blade. Sling Blade. And uh, her her boss uh, corners her and she says, I really like these mustard and biscuits. Please keep giving me mustard and biscuits. No. Um, when they're talking about her position at this kind of uh, drudge reporty uh, journalistic periodical she says do you really want to work at any job for two years which i think that that is increasingly representative of the young workforce in america because you don't want to work at a job for more than two years because if you have two years worth of experience you have so much more riding on your next salary negotiation and rather than waiting for a raise you can just arbitrage your salary up yeah and another thing is, if you're at a company for two years, ob obviously, no, 
uh, most likely you're you're still doing like you've taken on some responsibilities but you're stuck doing the thing that you're doing the first few months that you were there you, you don't really get to expand your skill set much but going to a new job that allows more opportunities to learn more opportunities to 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 gain more skills and make yourself more valuable as a marketable employee i mean in my experience like jobs are in essence blocks of three months because in the first three months of you working at a job you will probably learn the necessities of your position the facilities in which you can fulfill those necessities and the steps you need to take to improve those and that's in the first three months and then every successive period of one month after that you improve on those and i think that you can't get much better at a job in two years than you can in five years yeah there was the previous generation worked and the idea and the mindset that you get a job and you stay at that job for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And millennials, with, with how much we're exposed to with the internet and with how fast media is moving, nothing seems to last as long as it used to last. Even like, even it, even cartons of milk expire faster. But I mean, that's not true. But I'm exaggerating. So it's like millennials don't want to be stuck in a place for the rest of their life. That's not how we work. We want to keep evolving, keep changing, keep seeing new things and improving ourselves and staying at a job for more than two years or even three years. This, that doesn't fit into that mindset. So I, I actually have two kind of semi heady uh, ideas to lay on you if you're receptive to them. Sure. So baby boomers, the the previous ruling generation over millennials, they generally are agreed upon the idea of like linear gain throughout a career path is that every year, every month that you spend working a job, your uh, compensation will increase in uh, a positive one-to-one relationship to the amount of effort you put in like the longer you stay at a place you gain more responsibilities as you gain more responsibilities you gain more uh, benefits you gain more wages then as you keep putting in more you keep getting more yeah yeah that's and i feel like that falls almost exactly in line with the ideals of modernism you know the idea that the more you put into seeking truth the more truth you find yeah And I feel like we are living in an artistically uh, postmodern. And then if, if you look at what millennials like us do in jobs, we are innately aware of something called opportunity cost. And have you ever, like heard of opportunity cost i've heard of opportunity cost in terms of like a business deal or you know you 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 weigh certain cost versus certain other costs to see if you're going to to be net positive or net negative basically in in my mind and this is the uh layman's opinion of someone who just studies like you know visual platforms of art and and literature the big difference between modernism and postmodernism is that modernism believes that by striving you are then equally rewarded and postmodernism believes that truth exists 
at a constant level throughout, and it all depends on how you choose to seek that truth. Yeah, I mean, basically, postmodernism, the point of it is to point out that the effort that you're putting into in modernism doesn't matter and it's not worth it because the truth is essentially around you at all times. I feel like we live in a postmodern job economy where people are not served by putting in more effort in individual companies. They're better served by uh, cutting their association with companies and then negotiating their salaries at new companies, job hopping, like, like you explained. I think that the belief that you have to put in an equal amount of work to an equal amount of compensation, a one-to-one positive relationship in the current job market is completely false. And a lot of it has to do with the, that great recession, if you want to call it, that happened a couple of years ago because the compensation rewards start companies cut them in f- as a way to cut cost, but they still wanted their employees to put in that effort it's just then you're not getting rewarded one to one you're getting rewarded about one to 0.5 and so uh it's just like the people who own these companies when the recession ended they didn't restore that that reward because why would they they're getting more profit they can put more money back into the business and they're still rewarding their employees somewhat even if it's not to a degree that's actually feasible to continue living um and so it's just like if the employers aren't going to reward loyalties to the company then the employees shouldn't be loyal to the company at all and i i completely agree i think that post great recession uh that the priorities have shifted because we used to believe that the more we put in the more we get out and that is completely untrue now because the market will pay you a certain amount for a skill set and then your ability to market that skill set on top of that dictates how much you can make there is almost no reason to stay at a company for more than three to five years now because your ability to to sell yourself is now so much more important the the idea that you can like enter into consultancy the idea that you can uh, create passive income the idea that you can quit your current job to move horizontally to a similar job but negotiate yourself better given your experiences to increase your pay there is no space in today's job economy for loyalty and that's where modernism in the job market effectively died yeah I mean, you have to think of it this way. Like, when you're working to get your first job, you you have only the experience you picked up in college. But as soon as you cross that one to three year experience line, you're suddenly 100% more marketable for jobs that are beyond the entry level, you know, pay grade. And I think that for any of our listeners who are in a job that they've been at for a year... If you at any point in your job feel like you've learned everything that you can learn, which is, you know, reasonably within your job description, it might be time to move on because loyalty, as we discussed, isn't being rewarded whatsoever. There, there are a couple of other factors that, you know, our listeners should consider. Like if they like the job they have, Liking a job is can be more valuable than any monetary compensation, as, especially if you are receiving that five percent raise. That that can be f- fine for now, and, and like, but it, it's long term. It's more in the long term. You just 
you gain so much by job hopping and, and just because you can earn, you know, upwards to 10, 20, 50% more, even if you're in technically the same job. And uh, I think that that's something that you, you bring up a really good point. Like if you have a job that you legitimately love and it pays you enough to eat, do not quit. Yeah, no, you don't want to, you never know what's on the other side. You know what, where you are now. If you hate where you are now, then what's the worst that can happen on the other side? If you like where you are now, you've got something to lose. So, you know, weigh your factors, basically. Yeah, if, if you've hit a job that you love, you love the, the factors and the results of your job, you hit the jackpot. If you can eat and pay rent and do something that you love the result of, you are doing better than 99% of human beings. Yep, you're in the 1% of the working class and that you actually like going to work every day. So if you had a genie that gave you one wish... Wouldn't the smartest wish be to just be happy for the rest of your life? I mean, that... Yeah, but wait. There's... That's 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 a very open-ended wish, because what if the, the fulfillment of that wish is just getting lobotomized so that you no longer worry about any of the stressors in life? Wouldn't that then not matter, because you wouldn't have to take care of anything, because everything that we would wish for alternatively would just be to take care of things in such a way that would provide us some kind of fulfillment. But if we experienced a constant, inexorable fulfillment, then th it wouldn't matter. I don't know. I kind of want to keep my, my faculties about me. I kind of want to keep my thinking power. Yeah, it's, it's so much of that depends on your, your perception of, like, perception being reality. But, like, if you're happy at your job, sit at your job is what I want to get at. Wait, wait, I... I I should get lobotomized to enjoy my job? Yes. I mean, that's a sense... Because my job does not reward thinking. So that, that actually that actually lines up pretty well. My job does a lot of thinking, and I hate it. I want to just relax. Well, I, I think if I had one wish with a magical genie, it would be to have enough money to live for the rest of my life. If And also live a very long life. That's two wishes. Because if I have enough money to live for the rest of my life, you'd probably just kill me right there. Yeah, I want to be immortal and have enough money <laughs> to pay for my immortality. It, it might just be easier to, to wish for a lump sum of something. Or just wish to, to win the lottery. But, like, you gotta wait to make that wish until it, it's, it's, you know, a huge jackpot. And then you gotta phrase it, I wish I'm the only person who wins the lottery. So then you're not splitting it 86 different ways because the, the genie made 86 people win. Wishes are tough because you have to... Wishes are maybe one of the most interesting ways to dissect syntax because our kind of uh, lexiconographic approaches to language have so much to do with what we could possibly gain from them, and they're they're silly. Yeah, wishes are very silly, and that's why they're always a plot device in, in moralistic uh, fiction. You're right, and the article I was going to talk about was the gig economy. The gig economy, as in, like, having a gig, as in, like, playing, like, a gig at a, at a bar with your band? No, like, the gig economy, as in being an Uber driver, just having, like, secondary sources of income. Oh, okay, like, no, I, I don't get why it's called the gig economy. Like, you have a gig that's not a job, it's something that you do on the side, but it isn't your job, you can quit any time. Oh, okay, so, like, the, you have a 
you have a show at a bar with your band. Yeah, a show at a bar with your band, you're an Uber driver, anything like that. You host a, a bar trivia thing and get paid in beer. Hashtag gigs, but no, the, uh, the, the, I was reading something that said that the gig economy as we know it is not a new invention. It dates back to the 18th century, but that is not what I actually wanted to talk about. What did you actually want to talk about? So what we're actually talking about is, uh, do you know what night scope is? Is night scope like periscope, but it's like a night filter? They are a company that sells... Okay, so I'll read the the Wikipedia entry to you. Wait, so they're not like Periscope with a night filter? Not at all. This okay. is a this is a story in three parts. A, oh, like a like a the the triptych. Okay, so first of all, Nightscope spelled K N I G H T S C O P E. That's horrible. Okay, so it's like a medieval Periscope. The Nightscope Wikipedia page says, Nightscope, the K5 beta prototype, is a fully autonomous robot used to monitor crimes in schools, businesses, and neighborhoods. Wait, so this is RoboCop? Yes. The K5 robot is 5 feet tall and 300 pounds. The K5 detects crime using a variety of sensors, including video camera, thermal imaging sensors, a thermal range finder, radar, air quality sensors, and a microphone. Wait, is this the robot that that itself at Washington, D.C.? Cut that part out. What part? Cut that part out, because we're going to talk about that. Oh, I'm not cutting that out. I'm spot on. The K5 has been developed since 2013 by Nightscope Incorporated, a Silicon Valley startup located in Mountain View, California. A concern is that Nightscope will introduce another means of mass surveillance, a controversial issue. If the K5 detects abnormal noise and temperature change or known criminals, it will alert local authorities. What is the name of the big robot prototype from from RoboCop? Boy, I wish I remembered. Is it K5? Something like that. It because the one that goes like you know halt and then like you've got five seconds to comply mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yes I, I, god i, think I thing, wish i remembered i think that thing his name is k5 so there was a uh, a company called mrp realty that purchased one of these k5 prototypes you, can i ruin it no don't ruin it but everyone knows about it and then there was a uh, a tweet a tweet an instagram post that a facebook post rather that mrp realty put out that said that's right folks we have a new sheriff in town in the form of a robot we're super excited to announce our new test pilot security technology in partnership with our friends at allied universal the bot is making his debut at dc headquarters this week and has an extensive catalog of security capabilities He's currently mapping out the grounds here to be fully autonomous and ready to launch in the upcoming days. This is Stay a tweet tuned for updates. It's That's, a Facebook post. Oh, I thought you said it was a tweet because that would have been a hugely that long tweet. P.S. We're calling him Steve. Oh, man, they named it. That means something horrible happened to it. And then two days later, there is a CNN article. Security robot meets untimely demise. After drowning on the job. So it, they didn't program it to avoid water? It was one small step for security technology, but one giant leap in the wrong direction for robot kind. 
A security robot in Washington, D.C., lovingly named Steve, plunged down four steps into a fountain on Monday. Wait, why was it climbing steps? Photos show the sad, waterlogged robot partially submerged in defeat. It's unclear if any foul play was involved, or if Steve simply rolled down a dark path on his own. (laughs) So wait, they didn't didn't program it to not commit suicide? Steve was still getting used to the streets he was programmed to protect. He was mapping out the grounds to theoretically prevent this kind of accident. This initial phase is our opportunity to implement VET and remediate any bugs in the system to help advance both the programming and security features in a busy mixed-use center such as Washington Harbor, an MRP spokesperson told the statement CNN. These instances show us where improvements are needed, which may then be deployed to contribute to the ongoing security of our tenants, residents, and visitors. Even though Steve had only been rolling around for a few days, he already made some new friends. He looked so happy and healthy, one mortar remembered on Twitter. Wait, the robot looked happy and healthy? How do you judge a robot's happiness? So, this robot died. It it threw itself into the water, and it it ceased to exist. Well, that's probably because it it knew it couldn't live up to ED-209, which is the name of the robot from RoboCop. Oh, Ed 209? Yeah. Ed 209. Yeah, so uh, what do you think about robots and their capabilities to commit suicide? Well, I, th- I feel like that makes them more human than anything we've, we've ever created, because obviously Steve realized that his entire existence was to patrol this one realtor property for the rest of his life, and looking onto that, that grim sort of outlook, he, he realized that he didn't want to do that, so... He he did the only thing he could and, you know, went for a, a long swim. They didn't he, uh, make it waterproof. He stumbled down three steps, fell over into a fountain. It sounds like Nightscope needs to get with Boston Dynamics because, like, they make robots that can't fall over. And, I mean, what would happen if a Boston Dynamics big dog went into water? Maybe it would kill itself. It just seems like not making it waterproof is a huge oversight, because, like, what if it rains? So there are really two two potential uh, ways to read this news story. Is one of them, like, the robot was a millennial who didn't want to work the same job for the rest of their life, so it killed itself? No, there's a third option, a, a pretty astute one. The uh, the first option is to say, oh, it's a uh, dumb robot that drowned itself, uh, whatever, robots are faulty. The, the second, of course, is uh, the one that certain news publications have taken, where they're like, uh, stupid robot fell down some stairs, not gonna replace us, huh? Oh, like an anti-robotic kind of thing, just because one bad thing happened to one robot? Yeah, one bad thing happened to one robot, and now they're saying, like, oh, robot uprising, not gonna happen, fell in some water. I mean, obviously we're gonna make the future ones waterproof. Hopefully. Airtight, you know, so that that's, it's not gonna be the Wizard of fucking Oz. No, it will not. I mean, we, we, we've we got Elon Musk talking to, to governors and warning them about AI protocols and how we need to develop them now before it's too late. And on the other hand, we've got a robot falling into the water and killing itself. So I feel like we're at, like, the threshold of the future right now. I wonder sometimes if we're just using these... Uh 
these errant failures in robotics like uh, Tesla autopilot crashes and this poor drowned robot as a just like a way to make ourselves feel better about the fact that automation and artificial intelligence is marching forward at a rate that we aren't comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the ways we're we're still going to resist change because we're creatures of habit, and this is this would be you know automation and AI is a huge fucking change, like things that can design them and improve themselves without our input. That that's literally never happened before, and so we're gonna celebrate or portion of the population is going to celebrate every misstep as a way to say ah we're safe for another i don't know five years or so just just because it, it's just that human nature of like you can't be better than me because we're at the top of the food chain and i'm not sure there's so much about uh robotics and the inexorable march towards like neural nets and machine learning and deep learning all this stuff i don't think there's much we can do to stop that and that when we get tiny victories we're like yeah humans are all right other than the fact that machines that learn from our input are slowly taking over our lives yeah like i I don't know if you saw this video that went around this week on facebook but uh, of the machine learning program that that basically uh taught itself how to walk and and one of the ways is like a human, and other ways is like this weird spider thing. But uh, it, it's just like the joke was, oh well, yeah, it can walk, but look how funny it is. Well, it doesn't matter how funny it looks because it's still learning without our input. You know, I mean, like if you look at Boston Dynamics robots, you can be like, ah, oh, they move funny. Yeah, they move funny, but they move in a more energy efficient way than humans. Yeah, and you know, if if we. We get to the point of machines designing more efficient and effective machines. We're going to get to the point where we're not going to need engineers. We're not going to need anyone to maintain the robots. The robots will maintain themselves. We're going to get to a point where no one's going to have a job. And I I think that this idea that, you know, robots are taking over, going to take our jobs, accurate. Robots taking over and killing us, probably pretty inaccurate for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, no. A lot of that comes from, like, you know, early fears back in, like, the 1980s, and even earlier than that, where people were applying the current sort of computing systems at that time, which were very simple, very binary, in that it's like, oh, an example that you gave is this, like, you know, collect stamps, and so the robot kills all humans so that it can collect stamps in the most efficient way possible. I think the the level of, uh, you know, machine learning and predictable models of reality are so sufficiently science fiction at this point that we don't have to realistically worry about robots choosing to, to kill us overnight, but it's maybe something that we should look at. Yeah, I mean, as long as people, and by people I mean the people who own the companies that rule the world... As long as they don't use robots for any nefarious means, we should be in the clear. That being said, we're probably all going to die. Oh yeah, I mean, we're all going to die anyway. Might as well be a buy a robot. 
while while one individual makes a huge profit off of I don't know harvesting bones. I would rather that my skull be crushed by a robot than crushed by my heirs. You like putting on heirs? You put on too many heirs. Yeah, I put on so many heirs that my skull got crushed. Yeah, that you always run into that problem. I was at a party one time and I was trying to... Now, I understand this is folly, but I was trying to simultaneously suggest that I had read and understood the entirety of Infinite Jest. I was trying to insinuate that I had met the owner of Universal Studios Florida. And I was also trying to impress people... That I had a modern yet refined style of dress. I was putting on so many airs that my skull was crushed. Yeah, I mean, that's the risk you run by just going to a party, you know. I was uh, I was talking to Kristen Chenoweth, and she said, "Oh, you're so charming." And I said, "You're," and then my skull got crushed. I said, blah, 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 blah. "I bet she took that as a compliment, though." Yeah, she was she was a pretty good sport about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, suicidal robots, you know, millennials job hunting, job hunting, job hopping, you know, don't show loyalty to your job, don't show loyalty to your life, if you have to keep repeating a a repetitive task. But please don't jump off four stairs into a fountain to kill yourself. Oh yeah, no, that was just the robots, I, I didn't mean that to any humans, humans shouldn't do that humans do not follow robot examples robots are really bad role models yeah robots are supposed to learn from us until they start learning from themselves neural net you know what why do we need them to be that efficient and effective why can't we treat robots like octopuses octopodes Uh, why can't we put them in tanks well no you see the the octopus as a species they do not learn from the previous generation. They have to figure out literally everything on their own. Why can't we do that with, with each m- robot? Well, that's scary because octopuses are extremely intelligent. They are extremely intelligent, but they also have a very short lifespan, so they can't actually do much with that intelligence. I don't know. What, it, when, what about what happens when the first octopus writes the first great postmodern American novel? That would be great, but uh, the average octopus only lives five years, so I don't see them mastering our language and writing anything in that time period. Henry, I have a surprise for you. Do you have an octopus on the show? Don DeLillo is an octopus. Don DeLillo is a great person. He's not an octopus. Uh, White noise? Read between the lines, Henry. Uh... If I read between the lines of white noise, he would be an embodiment of death. Literally between the lines of white noise is written the words, I am an octopus. <laughs> Signed by Don DeLillo. Every single line says, I am an octopus. He probably would agree with that, although I haven't read anything more recently uh, by him. What else has he written other than white noise? Now, he wrote Falling Man, which was inspired by the that famous photo from 9-11. Mm-hmm. Of, of the man who was falling he also he just released a novel within the past year i forget what it's about because i didn't read it yet you know what's a real bummer henry what's a real bummer john shopping for a watch what don't you have like three watches i have two watches why do you need a third because anyway what just get a smart watch and plug it into your face Oh, 
My face watch. You get a face watch. It's it called can tell Google. what my emotions are. <laughs> it's called Google Glass. I uh, I was looking at watches, and it's tough to be shopping for watches without incessantly coming across the term blackface. Oh, like a black-faced watch? Yeah, like a lot of people would be like, I don't like the blackface. Can I get some blackface? Look at the beautiful blackface. And it just feels wrong. You think we would have come up with a different way to phrase that by now? Yeah, like a like a dark chrono surface. Or like you could say black backing. Yeah, black backing. Black watch. <laughs> well, I mean, they're talking about the face of the of the watch, right? Like the the what's behind the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, I don't like the 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 you know instead of like a a backlight, I don't like the black light. <laughs> I don't like the black light. I don't like the black parts. Yeah, I wouldn't say black parts. Mm, no, I don't. I don't like that so much. I or don't like. like I, I don't like the color. Yeah. You could I don't say like that. the color. As long as you don't say color with like a very racist tone. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's a pretty good like thing in life is you shouldn't say things in a racist tone. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That, there's your life lessons from this episode. I'm going to say something in a racist tone that is completely innocuous and you see how it's different. Okay. So one will be totally innocent and one will be racist. Are you going to tell me beforehand, or do I have to guess? Hey, can I get some more Cheez-Its? Hey, can I get some more... Cheez-Its? Wait, that second one, why are you trying to seduce the person? I wasn't trying to seduce the person, I was trying to make it so any Cheez-Its who were around me at the time would not hear. Oh, you were leaning in to try to whisper even though you're already whispering? Yeah, it was a super close whisper time. Super close whisper time. What do we think about the word spicy? Uh, I've heard spicy as in refer to... uh, It's actually a very common term in this game called Player Unknown's Battleground. Oh, are you for 100% real? Yeah, and it, it refers to when there's a lot of danger in the area. Like, you don't want to go to Watertown right now because it's very spicy. I was totally watching a stream of that this morning and heard the word spicy used in that context, and that's why I brought it up. Yeah, no, that's definitely a term from that niche corner of the gaming culture. What's uh, what's Player Unknown's Battlegrounds about? Uh, Player Unknown's Battleground is basically a a player whose name was Player Unknown made an Arma Three mod called Player Unknown's battleground and uh it was basically a a hunger games-esque style battle mode where a hundred players would be dropped into a map they would scavenge for supplies and guns and the last man standing would win oh so like player unknowns battlegrounds yeah and, and it was uh th- there have been several iterations of this sort of play style in a game uh h1z1 has a standalone edition called king of the kill Ugh. but people did not like the direction that king of the kill went in with its over the top player skins and weapon skins and such 
and uh, they weren't actually addressing any of the the performance issues the game was suffering. So that kind of inspired Player Unknown to make his own standalone sort of thing, free from the Arma 3 game. And uh, now it's actually like got a whole staff and, and people behind it, and they release one big update every month. And uh, they're about to leave early access sometime, I think, in the fall. I really want to play that. It seems good. I want to play it too, but it actually it has not budged in price since it released, so I'm waiting for a sale. Yeah, things in early access don't go on sale a lot because they want to like get dev costs. I mean, I understand that, and they're about to exit, so the price might actually go up soon, which would be a tragedy. Henry, I have an issue for you. What's up, John? We've been recording for like an hour, but I also just introduced like a like a subject that would probably be pretty good for like talking more about. Yeah. How do I exit from this? How do, um, how do we stop talking about this thing that is actually like fertile ground for future discussion or future streams? I mean, we've been talking for about an hour, but we've only been recording for about 40 minutes. Are you for real right now? Yeah, dude. I started recording like eight minutes and we're like an hour five. That's not good radio. It's not good radio to talk about how long you've been recording. Uh, we started recording on my account at about nine. So it's we're at... But then there was that gap in the middle just now. Yeah, I ate a tortilla. You ate a tortilla? <laughs> I did. I was very hungry. <laughs> you feeling okay, buddy? I'm feeling okay. All right. Uh, let's just continue our conversation about player unknowns and we can wrap it up sweet all right all of this is going in okay cool PUBG, i've heard it called yes that's player unknowns battlegrounds PUBG. battlegrounds is not two words it is now bitch here's the th- here's here's what i've learned about pe- uh, about the- PUBG. here's what i've learned about PUBG. yeah you want a scar Okay. You want an automatic weapon. Yeah. Eight times scope. Eight times scope. Don't go to the military base. Well, military base has the best weapon drops. But that's where all the spicy boys go. That is a lot. A lot of times people go spicy there, yeah. Yeah, you got the spicy boys, and how are you supposed to protect yourself from those spicy boys? Well, the thing is, you 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 want to land first using the fast drop technique. Just grab a gun and then kill them. Yeah, but like, what if you don't kill those spicy boys? Well, then you're you die. out of the game forever. <laughs> you just join a new game. But what if you're like in a squad and you have to watch your squad get slowly decimated by these endlessly <laughs> spicy boys? Well then, well then, you taunt your famously you taunt your teammates for being bad and you know ignore the fact that you just died okay that makes a lot of sense oh yeah so to give people more of an idea of the a typical game of PUBG, a hundred people drop on an island and then uh after about a few minutes a zone will pop up and that is that'll be the safe zone and you want to get into that safe zone because pretty soon an electrical barrier is going to start closing on the island and that electrical barrier will uh will sap your health every few seconds yeah it's like uh, it's like battle royale it's like battle royale it's like hunger games it's just you know it's like you know the most dangerous game but with more people 
It's like a classic teen murder island. Yeah, Teen Murder Island is actually the uh, the the real name of the game. Yeah, player unknowns Teen Murder Island. And uh, so each time you you play a game and, and you get some points, you'll get you know a number of coins, and those coins will add up after a while, and you can buy unlocks and crates to to, to get you know gear, not gear, but like clothes for your character. Uh, but everyone tends to play naked. So am I incorrect in saying that when you win in first place, it says winner, winner, chicken dinner? That is correct. That is a thing that happens. That's awful. Yeah, but... And so no one ever calls it winning. People just say, hey, did you, know, did you get that chicken dinner? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, hey, look... It's not not everything could be a knockout of the park, but you know you can take solace in the fact that a lot of people will never see that. Yeah, ninety nine people in every game will not get that chicken dinner. Yeah, I, I mean because this is this is a realistic shooter in the in the vein of the Arma series, as in there's there's bullet drop off, there's wind resistance, there's things like that. So it's not just point and shoot; it, it's point and take all these factors in, into effect. And, you know, ultimately run right up to your target, guns a-blazing. Hey, look, if you can drop into a zone, get those fat loots before the spicy boys arrive, you might just win a chicken dinner. Yeah, and always equip a pan. Always equip a pan, get a scar, eight-time scope. You know, you know why you want to, you know, you know why you want to equip a pan, John? Uh, you want to equip a pan because it's it blocks bullets. It does. If you put a pan on your butt, it blocks bullets on your butt. I've watched maybe like a dozen hours of this game being streamed. Life is dumb. Yeah, I've watched more hours than I care to admit, and I don't own the game. It's just fun. It's fun to watch people play video games. It's fun to watch people have fun when you're not having fun. I like watching people do really stupid things in very serious moments, and so that's why I watch a, a number of, of stream people, like Northern Lion and stuff like that. Hey, People doing stupid stuff in important moments is one of the greatest hallmarks of entertainment. I feel like it's a very American thing, but Northern Lion is very decidedly Canadian, so I don't know how that works out. What are Canadians into vis-a-vis streaming? Uh, pretty much the same thing that all streamers are into. They 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 ride the hype train and host their own like talk shows and stuff. Do they like drink a lot of Tim Hortons? You can't drink Tim Hortons. That's a restaurant. And Tim Hortons is coffee. It's a restaurant. Do they chortle a lot of poutine? How do you? Doesn't chortle mean laugh, John? Yeah, you laugh with a mouthful of poutine. Yes, I would say they do that. Now they just they just sort of just talk about things. Oh, one thing that they do do huh, is that they uh they mention all the famous people who happen to be Canadian and you would be surprised by how many people are Canadian and famous. Michael J. Fox. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is Canadian? Ryan Reynolds is very Canadian. Uh, Andrew Garfield. Rush. Andrew Garfield is British. Wait, you said Rush? I said Rush. Rush Limbaugh. I, is he Canadian? Mm-hmm. Celine Dion. Uh, Jim. <laughs> Just Jim? <laughs> yeah, Jim's, Jim's from Canada. 
<laughs> I don't. Who's Jim? Oh, you know Jim. Oh. Don't act like you don't know Jim. I think Tom Cruise is. Oh, Chris, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd is actually Canadian. I don't think Tom Cruise is, though. Uh, Martin Landau, rest in peace. Oh. Yeah, but there's. it turns out there's a lot of people from Canada. Mike Myers? Is Mike Myers Canadian? I believe he is. Boom. Nailed it. Yeah, baby. Boom roasted. There's a lot of talent in that, that what do they call it? Great White North. Yeah, the great toasty, the, the great, the great spicy North. A lot of spice in Canada. Do not land in Canada. It is very spicy. Yeah. But, uh, I think we can wrap it up. Okay, I think we could wrap it up, too. Because I feel like we're losing steam, and also it's now, like, 1 a.m., and I'm very tired. I am extremely tired. If you are tired of our bullshit, and you want to... <laughs> Jesus Christ. And you want to send us an email telling us firmly to stop, you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Send us a b-mail. But please do not send us... Agree mail. We don't do like ag- agree. Do not agree with us. We, it does not agree. The agree don't agree, yo. If you want to send us a tweet, go to z- at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for, of course, Henry. Z, 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 because it's sleepy time. It's sleepy time, Z, Z time. Send us a, send us a high energy tweet, please. Uh, don't keep the whisper thing going. Send us tweets. Yeah, no, this is not a thing that we will do in the future. Yeah, send us tweets in all caps. And if you want to watch us play video games, you can go to twitch.tv slash zero credits where we have not streamed in like a month. Yeah, don't worry though, because we're going to get on it. I That's think my bad, but once we both buy PUBG... Yeah, well, when we... PUBG would, is actually very popular, so people would actually tune in. And if you want to reach us on Facebook, go to facebook.com and then go to the search bar and type in Zero Credits Podcast. We'll be one of the first things that comes up. Yep. Otherwise, you can just find us on the internet. We're there, and we will see you on the next time. And like, comment, and subscribe on our iTunes, SoundCloud, Blueberry uh soundcloud we we don't have soundcloud (laughs) soundcloud like hired people up until the point where they hired they fired 40 percent of their workforce so fuck soundcloud yeah soundcloud sucks and carrier just let off three 300 people so there you go i want to talk about that carrier thing yeah well (laughs) fuck it We'll talk about it in less sleepy times. Yeah, we'll see. You. We'll see you next week, everybody. Sorry for the whispers. Hopefully, Good you heard us. Everybody, we made a, we made many whisper friends. We made very whisper friends. All right. Good night, everybody. Goodbye, spicy whispers, boys. <laughs> <laughs>